end of the road, just pivot and go. Pivot and go. Ben Newman, welcome to the Pivot and Go podcast. Man, a long time coming. I feel like I know you super well, but you're one of those guys in the Zoom world that we've never met in person, but feel that bond. I don't know if the bond is a Kansas City, St. Louis. That's not really a bond, but I just think all that you were doing in leadership space and just, just the drive, the insatiable drive that you have is such a valuable message that we all need to hear. Ben Newman, thank you for joining us on the Pivot and Go podcast. Nurse, brother, it is uh, good to be on the show with you. And I'll tell you, I think a lot of what it is, it's the commonality of people that we have, you know, relationships yeah. with. And that makes such a difference. It's almost like, well, you know, John, and you know, this, and, and so it's almost like we knew each other. And then there were some of those, you know, those couple Zoom opportunities that we had, we were helping people together. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I mean, we, we know each other. So we've been talking about it. I'm excited to roll with you. This will be a lot of fun. Yeah, what a beautiful world. Like, me and you both are terrible at technology, yet we've become great friends through technology. Ironic. So It's, it's wild how the world has changed. Oh, man, yeah. It's making me feel old. Hey, start us off with a bang, Ben. Something that not necessarily everybody knows about you. We know you as this ultimate leader and just driven personality. Something, something a little bit different. So, I'm a hell of a cook. Or you can, even, you can even say chef. So you got your little nurse's rock to play off your name. And uh, I'm just a good old chef over here. So when you come to St. Louis, we'll have to break it down in the kitchen and I'll take care of you. What are we doing? What's the go-to? I mean, are you ribs? Are you going just the, the St. Louis ribs? No, no, no. Hey, I'll do I'll do barbecue stuff. I can work the grill. I can wow. do some good Italian dishes. I like to saute stuff in the pan. I like to roll with lots of different fishes, seafoods, mm. all kinds of things. I've been... I've been cooking since I was 10 years old. So for me, it was one of those things that I've always kind of enjoyed it. I've loved it. It's, it's for me, it's when I get home at the end of the day, it's a way yeah. for me to relax. No matter how many, you know, meetings I had in a day or what I had to do or how tired I am, it's a great release for me to relax and be able to take care of the family with, uh, with food. Man, what an unbelievable skill. Okay, me and my wife are booking a foodcation to your place. We'll stay for a week. <laughs> we'll eat great, great dinners every night. Perfect. I've been on the Pivot and Go podcast. And we'll, ma and we'll make sure we got to give a shout out. No free shout outs, but a shout out to Hanlon's Meat. There. So Drew oh, Hanlon, our yes. buddy. That, that's the best meat in St. Louis. So we'll make sure to uh, pick up the meat from Man, his dad. Drew is the best. But funny thing is, I've never got any of that meat. Interesting. Interesting, <laughs> Drew. We're calling you out. Hey, so on the Pivot and Go podcast, we bring on highly successful people who have achieved great things in this world. Success, obviously, in your own terms and definition, but everybody's gone through a life pivot. No one just starts at the top. Was there a time that really stands out to you where you just felt, man, I don't know where I'm going, I'm stuck, and, and how you made that pivot and achieved where your trajectory is today? So, so here's what's interesting. Am I allowed to give two, or do I just am I? Do I have to give Man, one? Man, you could pivot. You can up and under pivot again. Reverse pivot. You call it. <laughs> All right. So I'm a freshman in college at Michigan State University. I was political science pre law. My father was a trial attorney, and I've ever not, not really talked much about this on, on interviews because people haven't asked it just in that way that you did. And so I was a political science pre law. My dad's a trial attorney, and I knew. If I finished school, I'd go to law school, I could take over my dad's firm. And he was a very successful trial attorney. And, you know, the law, growing up, you know, watching Law and & Order and L.A. Law and all these shows, like, I just, I loved the law. It was intriguing to me. 
And then all of a sudden, I decided in my mind that I was going to make a pivot, right? And so the pivot for me was I wanted to go and sell life insurance. And so if you can believe this, I said to my dad as a freshman in college that I don't want to go into law school. I'm going to sell life insurance. And he had come up to visit a couple of my friends were out to a dinner and he pounds his hand on the table and he says, no son of mine is going to go to college to sell life insurance. And four years later, I graduate. I'm speeding you forward. I ended up being a paper broker like Steve Carell out of the office, literally just like that. And the next thing you know, after three years of doing that, I moved back to St. Louis and my main trajectory in my life was when I went into the life insurance business. And I don't say this to impress anybody, it's to impress upon the point. But my first opportunity to speak was because of the fast start that I got selling insurance. I was a 26-year-old kid, a little boutique firm in Chicago. I was like, we'll pay you 500 bucks to come and speak and we'll pay all your expenses. I'm like, that's a thing? Like, you could, like somebody will pay you to go and speak? And so I went and I spoke. And so the first pivot was when I, I made that choice in college. Like I wanted to go another route. I wanted to make a life of my own. The second pivot was even though I had this success, and once again, I'm not saying this to impress anybody. It's to impress upon the point. I wasn't one of those individuals who was in a business, didn't like it, and ah, I just went into coaching. I was actually in the top 2% of a Fortune 100 financial firm for years, sold millions of dollars of life insurance, Yet I found this passion from that first invitation to go and speak. Then people go, oh, you should write a book. You should write a book. So I would write a book. Oh, will you coach me? And then I started coaching. And David, all these things just started mm. happening. Now, you know, and I know that God always has a plan, but it felt like they were just happening. And I kept walking through these doors. And the second major pivot was in 2012 when I essentially left the life insurance business and went into a career of coaching and speaking and writing and doing this full time. And uh, those were two incredible pivots that have really defined my life. Wow. You know what? People, people need to hear that. You had this law trajectory. Your dad wanted you to be a lawyer, but yet you took that and said, you know what? I mean, that might be something good, but that's not my great. And then you say, hey, I'm in the top 2%. Most people say, yeah, I'm good. I'll just retire 20 years down the road. <clears throat> But your, your passion is for a purpose, not for a bank account. And I think that is, in an essence, in a term, uncommon. And that's what you are. That's what you speak on. Your, your best-selling book, Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Uncommon Leadership, just came out not too long ago. And I want to really dive into what that means. When we talk about the term uncommon, a lot of people just think like, oh, well, is that for me? Can I be uncommon? I'm, I'm kind of... You know, I don't really want to just throw the cycle off and I'm comfortable here. Let's break this down. How do we become uncommon, Ben? Well, first off, you know, let, let me kind of take a couple of steps back. I have been through so much challenge and adversity. It would stagger your imagination. And some of it we'll probably get into. Some of it might not even be appropriate for on air. Some of the stuff that I had to hear with my ears and I had to, you know, face as a child. And so for me, you know, things were always very hard. They were tough. And I was always blessed to have amazing mentors and coaches, individuals who believed in me, right? When you had those pivots, you had those opportunities in life to where do I go this direction? Do I go that direction? When you're enticed by things that might be the wrong decisions in your life or opportunities to be surrounded by the wrong people, 
I feel like I was always blessed to have those right people in my life. And so for me, what ended up happening was I had individuals who taught me the importance of belief. And when you believe in yourself and you recognize that everything you need is already in you, I believe you start that process of pushing and challenging yourself. And so, yes, we have to believe in others, but you also have to believe in yourself. It's the self-talk that, yes, I can achieve the things that are possible for me. So whether it was leaving one career where people literally told me I was crazy, how could you leave that money behind to go become a speaker and a coach? Like, is that really what you're going to do? But you have those people who believe in you. And so I think so much of it is on your uncommon path is don't take the easy way. Choose to be uncomfortable. Find the things that challenge you because often the greatest chapters of our life are molded, shaped, and built through challenge and adversity, not easy times. Choose to be uncomfortable. That is the key. Couldn't agree with you more, man. And let's you do a lot of high-level coaching for sports teams, Kansas State, Alabama, just very successful teams. So let's say, let's paint this picture. You're stepping onto the stage the first time in front of Alabama football, the powerhouse that is Alabama football, Nick Saban, the whole crew. Are you uncomfortable? How are you going through that? If, if you could, if you remember that, I would love to hear that story. So I... Uh, First off, how could you ever forget that, right? I mean, you're talking about the opportunity, opportunity to yeah. be with the GOAT, with the greatest college football program of all time. And, you know, for me, it's another one of those tremendous blessings. You know, I've been a mental conditioning coach for the Crimson Tide football mm-hmm. team for four years. So I'll take you back four years. You know, I, I never really get nervous. It's more of there's like this yeah. level of anxiousness, right? And so... Here we are, I'm, I'm with this unbelievable football program. They're just coming off of winning a national championship. I'm sitting in Coach Saban's office, and it's one-on-one. And that's what he does when you go speak there. You spend time one-on-one, and he's asking the messaging. It's like the final confirmation before you take the stage. And so part of you, you're thinking to yourself, um, if I say the wrong thing, I may not actually step on the stage, right? Because this guy, like, he's the GOAT. He's going to do what he's going to do and call the shots he's going to call. And Coach Saban and I had one of the most amazing conversations. Uh, he made me comfortable in the situation. Uh, there were there was great synergy in terms of our mindset and belief system. And so by the time I left his office to walk down into the team room to address the entire team, I was ready to cut it loose. And so it was more of a, a level of anxiousness. And then one of the things that I did, and I encourage anybody who speaks, anybody who leads, don't hold back from just being you. And I think a lot of times people try to be somebody other than who they are. Well, if I act or speak like this, this is how this person speaks. And I'm not saying not to learn from others. I still have two coaches. I read books every day. I've got great mentors that still push me and challenge me. But what I'm saying is you authentically have to be you. And so in the first five minutes of my first speech ever in Tuscaloosa, they knew my mother's story. They knew my parents were divorced at six months old. They knew that my father had challenges. They knew that my mom passed away 11 days before my eighth birthday. They knew the fighter that she was. They knew that I was an emotional guy. I'm getting ready to drop tears in front of the national championship football team, but I was being me. And when I finished giving them my heart and sharing my story, David, the first five minutes, I looked at all of them and I said, but that's my story. 
And I said, I've done this enough times to recognize I'm not the only one in this room that has a story. Each and every single one of you has a story that pushes and challenges you to want to give more, to sacrifice, to give your best for somebody. And it was that moment where the team and I had this bonding, we locked in, and here we are four years later still attacking the opportunity to figure out what it really means to be your best every day. Because I think that's the beauty of the challenge and the uncomfortable state and the high expectations of Alabama football. You are, Ben, you are brave. And what brave is, is being vulnerable, being able to be authentically yourself. And your, I mean, your, your passion, your emotional and raw passion just comes out every time I talk to you, every time I hear you talk. I'm going to speak at some companies and I ask them always, who is the best talk just so I can prepare? And I've had multiple of them say Ben Newman, because you leave it all out there, you have a realness that people can relate to. And that's what people are so scared about doing. You know it. We are our own biggest defenders. So I want to talk to you can about... I, can I, can I yeah. share something about this? Totally. It, it's part of the... You know, you and I are, are both connected with John Gordon. And not connected, but John Gordon is a dear friend to both of us. Amazing, I mean, John man. Gordon Amazing. led me to Christ in 2008. Oh, I mean, hallelujah. when you Come talk on. about a mentor that has molded and shaped how I show up. So John and I share the stage for the first time mm. in 2009. So we meet in 2008. He comes to St. Louis... We sell tickets at the Chase Park Plaza, three, 400 people in the audience. He's never heard me speak before, right? So like, this is your mentor. You're all fired up. Like, I'm getting the feedback from my mentor. And so I go through, I'm done with my talk, and I go up to John. He's standing in the back of the room. I'll never forget it. I'm like, John, what did you think? What did you think? What did you think? And he's like, Ben, he's like, you can speak. Like, you can speak. But he goes, you got to kind of relax. He says, are you aware that you can smile? You're allowed to laugh. You could tell a joke if you want to. (laughs) And he just kind of like gave it to me. And the lesson he was teaching me in that moment was what you just shared was Ben, be vulnerable and be you. Otherwise this isn't going to go very well. And you could speak and deliver a message, but you have to authentically be you. So it was great feedback from guys like John. Because I thought I'd just have to be intense and give this powerful mm-hmm. speech as opposed to just be the guy that I am. Man, but isn't that great to have people in your life like that? Like, I'll, I'll talk to John about books and, and give him ideas. And I think it's the best idea. But no, David, that's not the one. Keep but Very, <laughs> very encouraging. Very encouraging, but also very honest. And that's the type of that's what I call the challenge and support leadership. Where you're going to challenge them, you're going to push them, but you're also going to support them. So in that so true. in that same breath, man, you have amazing drive, and I'm sure you have great habits that create that drive. And I'm sure Alabama has some great championship habits. Can you share some maybe non-negotiables for you in your life or things that you can just really rest on and know, man, this is my go-to habit. This is what makes me be able to play at this level. Yeah, so one of the non-negotiables for me is how I show up physically in my life. It was about six years ago, because my work, whether I'm doing something corporately, you know, I'll work with billion dollar construction companies. I've done lots of consulting for Microsoft. So whether it's corporate or whether it's sports, I've found that when I take care of myself physically, Mm. I show up different. My mentality is different. There's a different level of sharpness. And so for me, about five or six years ago, I walked in, maybe it's even seven years ago now, I walked in with Jamie Mushlin. He's a trainer here in St. Louis at Red Fitness. 
And he looked at me. I've always stayed in shape. I would always challenge myself. I'd get into boxing, professional boxing shape, or I'd go and, and run a marathon. I would always try to challenge myself. And he looks at me and he said, you know, you're starting to work with all these football players. We need to push you like a football player. You need to understand the way they push themselves to get uncomfortable. And I said, take me there. And David, I remember some of the initial workouts. I'm like, I can't feel my arms, but the weight is going up. I don't know what's <laughs> happening here. Like, my body's numb, but I know that there's probably something positive happening here. And what happened was, is I kept pushing and challenging and pushing and challenging to the point where now when I'm in Alabama after practice, I'll go lift with the tight ends. You know, a lot of times they like to get a pump in, so they'll hit the bench or they'll hit some curls. And I'm lifting the same weight that they're lifting. There's a different bond when that mm. happens, mm. right? Mentally, I feel a different connection. And I think it's important for us to be the example. You know, it's one of the things that I admire about you. It's one of the things I admire about Drew Hanlon. You know, guys that are in this coaching space that take care of themselves. Like when you walk into a room, it's like, okay, David, if he wanted to, he could put on 30 pounds, eat a bunch of donuts, not worry about training because of what he knows and what he could give to you to make you better. But the reality is, you know, when you're on the court and you're breaking a sweat and you're feeling good, even if that player might be dominating you, you know that that's going to help you show up differently. And I think it's important that we that we be the example. Mm -hmm. So that, that physical edge, even though I'm not a professional athlete, I didn't have the talent to play in Alabama, I think it makes a difference. And so I think for all of us, I'm not saying you have to go physically get in this amazing shape, but I think for everybody, find things that push you and challenge you, that make you feel great and build your confidence and do them with great consistency. And for me, great consistency is not a couple days here, a couple days there. It's oh, that's day. so good, man. You talk the part, you got to live the part. And isn't it fun? I mean, don't you hundred percent? Like, I'm not going to listen to if someone's trying to trying to tell me, "Hey, here's how you be a bodybuilder," and they're out of shape and they like don't look it. Like, you think I'm going to listen to them? <laughs> no, you look the part. Obviously, know what you're talking about, but then also back it up. To and isn't it funny how anytime you do like a challenging, super hard workout, you never regret it. I mean, unless you get injured, of course, but you never regret it because your mind, it has that mental dictatorship to be able to overcome this difficult situation. You always feel that sense of accomplishment. So I love that you hit on that, man. And Ben, there's so much we could talk about and we'll have to have you back. I'd love to have you back and come out there to St. Louis and get some of that good food. But I'm going to th <laughs> throw you on the rapid fire hot seat. So anything that comes to your mind, quick answers, shout them out. Do you have a favorite mindset quote that sticks out to you maybe a mantra uh, when you were growing up something on your phone something on your bathroom mirror attack the process oh, come on beautiful so my my first ever speech I, i've had the opportunity so the two college football coaches so i've literally gotten lucky and when i say lucky i really have gotten lucky i i don't speak to programs all over the country in the last two years i've turned down georgia football for speaking I've turned down Oklahoma. The reason why I do this is because when I go all in, I go all in. I've been with Coach Kleiman at Kansas State for seven mm. years. I've been with Coach Saban for four years. And so how can I go speak at Oklahoma when Oklahoma's in Kansas State's conference and we've knocked them off the last two years? How can I go speak to Georgia when Georgia's number two in the country and Alabama's number one in the country? Mm. It's not mm. happening. 
And so I got really lucky that the two programs that hired me are the two most winningest coaches over the last 15 years. And so I've been able to learn a lot from these guys. But one of the things that I shared the first time I ever spoke to the North Dakota State Bison, so I won a handful of national championships with Coach Kleiman there. First ever speech, Carson Wentz is sitting right in the front row. They just won four national titles in a row. And I shared with them my belief of attack the process. And that's where, and I've been sharing it in the business world for years, but I believe every day we can have balance in our lives if you identify personally, professionally, and in service okay. to others what the process or standard is that causes you to win, and then you attack that man, process man. every day. So good, so good. Hey, what does leaving a legacy mean to you? What would it look like, not the billboards and all that kind of stuff, not what the world says, but when you're gone, what would leaving a legacy be to Ben Newman? I know you said rapid fire, but you're asking me questions that are deep. Deep well, rapid fire, let, man. We go deep rapid fire. Things. No, you could go as long as you want. So leave your legacy for me. I, I mean, I've actually written a book called Leave Your mm -hmm. Legacy, and it was a book all uh, about a fable. So I wrote a book called Own Your Success, which was the first fable that I wrote because I wrote an autobiography about my mother and John Gordon, honest feedback again. He said, you realize you wrote an autobiography and people don't know who you are. He goes, that may sell later on in life, but it's not going to sell now. You got to write a fable. <laughs> and so I wrote a fable called Own Your Success and then came out a book called Leave Your Legacy where the character kind of continues. So I believe that each of us, you're actually leaving your legacy every day. I think there's this fallacy that, you know, oh, legacy will just be left behind later, but your actions every day is what writes your story. It's what creates the impact on other people. And that's what enables you to leave your legacy. And losing my mom at such a young age, she was 38 years old. I'm 42. Every day I've been given an extra day that my mother didn't get. I'm going to make the most of that day and leave a legacy to put honor on her name, to do the best I can to instill great values in my children, the people that I'm blessed to lead, to be the best husband I can be. But I believe every day we're actually leaving our legacy. It's not just something that happens once Man, you're gone. You're juicing me up. Literally every answer. You got me more fired up to steal those boxing gloves behind you there and <laughs> go throw some haymakers. <laughs> hey, all right, Mr. Chef, I got a fun one for you. You can invite three people to a dinner party, dead or alive, who you want to interact with, have conversation with. Who are you inviting and what are you cooking? Well, you know my mom's going to be there. Mm -hmm. there's, uh, there, there's, there's no doubt about it. My, my mother will be there, and Michael Jordan will be there, and Tom Brady is going to be there, and we're going to have some unbelievable Cajun ribeyes, heavily Cajun ribeyes. you got to have a heavy, heavy Cajun ribeye, mm -hmm. and that's it. We're going to enjoy some ribeyes. We're going to enjoy some great conversation, uh, probably have a glass of, uh, of red wine, Michael Jordan's probably going to bring a cigar or two. And, uh, we're going to have conversations until those guys tell me that, uh, you know, we can't talk anymore. But I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to walk away understanding that uh, my mother was a hell of a champion herself. She's the best one at that table right there, man. And I love how you brought in the South, your Alabama Cajun, to the Midwest, the ribeyes. Perfect blend. <laughs> you are a master chef. Hey, how can we all follow everything that you're doing, support your cause? Talk to us about your mission that you're on for Uncommon Leadership and all the proceeds of the book. This is something, this is this is mind-blowing, amazing, and I want to, I know you, you're too humble to say, talk about it, but please talk about it. 
So one of the, since you're asking, I will, uh, you know, certainly staying connected at continued fight. Uh, that is the best way to stay connected. That's what Instagram and Twitter, and you're actually getting me. I'm the one who's actually posting in the morning. I wake up. That's part of my active service. What's on my mind? What can I share that I believe might make a difference, you know, on that day? So you're actually getting my thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, com. You can learn a little bit more about our work in business and in sports. And then as far as the book goes, Uncommon Leadership, it's available on all uh, online retailers. And I really wanted to have, you talk about legacy, a big footprint to honor my mother's name. And I've always done things. There's a schoolroom in Mexico. There's a research station in Boston. There's a hospice room in St. Louis. So every time I speak or coach or generate revenue, money goes to those organizations. But I wanted to do something big. And I partnered with my friend, Charlie Rocket, who has his dream foundation. And we started a facet of his charity in honor of teachers, making teachers' dreams come true because my mother was a teacher. And 100% of the proceeds from Uncommon Leadership actually go back to making teachers' dreams come true. So the first teacher we impacted was Audra. And this will be no surprise to people listening if you understand the world of teachers. She didn't have money. All she wanted to do was talk about school supplies for her kids. Yet she's battling cancer for the third time and has $400 in medical bills a month that she cannot afford. And Charlie sent her $5,000 from the $60,000 that we sent from the first month of book sales. So we're in this thing to go big. We're in this thing to make an impact. And what I found from taking this angle, which giving all, not profits, all the proceeds from the book, is that we're able to actually win together. So, you know, my name might be on the cover of the book as the author sharing 11 lessons from powerful leaders that have impacted my life. But we're all in this fight together to make a difference for teachers. Oh, man, that's amazing. We are going to link to those in the show notes for sure. And everybody give to that cause. Amazing cause. And, and you know what? I think you might have just wrote another book there, Win Together. I don't know if that's a title of a book, but that sounds really cool. <laughs> like talking about instead of competition, collaboration for competition. That's good, man. All right, Ben. Hey, you're getting ready. You're getting ready to drop the the breakthrough yeah. blueprint. Yeah, pivot and go. You're moving so fast. I'm just gonna <laughs> let this one book marinate because you're putting you and John Gordon are pushing out so many books. I can't oh keep up. man, I was trying to go a six month pace, and I was like, John, I don't know how you do this, man. And he's just he's that dude is a machine. But uh, it's 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 man. incredible. But he is so mm. driven, and it's such a powerful quality of his that he's constantly in pursuit. Of figuring out how he can get better, and then he ends up pouring it into pages of books that make such a difference. It's a it's powerful. Man, we what need he to does. get you out here so we can actually have one of these dinners. Me, you, John, get Ed in there. He will. I'll be I'll be out there soon. There's, there's a couple of things that I'm working on, and I know Ed wants me to uh, to get out there to chat on a few yeah. things. So I'll be out there. Hopefully Beautiful really man. Soon. Well, hey. Before we let you off, the last question we ask, if you can give a drop the mic, this this one can actually be like one or two or three words, a drop the mic piece of advice for someone who feels stuck in the situation they are currently in, how they can make that pivot and go. It's from my mother, best lesson I ever learned. It's not how long you live, it's how you choose to live your life. Boom. Mike dropped Ben Newman. You are an absolute light to this world and leadership and just the person you are. Thank you for coming on this podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you, brother. End of the road, just pivot and go. Pivot and go.